In the immortal words of my six-year-old son, Paxton, Daddy, the team played really well, and then they didn't play very well, and then they played really well again. Thus sums up North Carolina versus Baylor. The Tar Heels survive a furious comeback from Baylor and survive the referees for a thrilling 93-86 overtime victory. Now they emerge from Fort Worth, Texas as one of the final 16 teams dancing in the 2022 NCAA tournament. We're going to unpack all of it right here for you on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, March 21st, 2022, and the Tar Heels are in the Sweet 16. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. I am your host, as always, Isaac Shade, beat writer for Sports Illustrated's North Carolina site, and it is a joy to be together today. And I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every single day. And if you're watching on YouTube, your first watch every single day. We are creeping closer and closer to 500 subscriber, subscribe, subscribers. That's the coolest new word I've ever heard. 500 subscribers on the YouTube channel and uh, would love for you to be part of that if you're not already. And if you're listening on audio formats, please, you can follow us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by Stat Hero. Stat Hero is reshaping the way you play fantasy sports. Dozens of house-based games to play every day. No more funky props, just your skill versus the lineups you choose. So sign up today at stathero.com slash locked on. Well, folks, I am back from Fort Worth, and I think I have finally exhaled. Uh, it took a couple days, but I, I think I've caught my breath. <laughs> In all seriousness, legitimately, that was the most stressful up and down roller coaster train wreck of a game I have ever been part of in a live sporting of like setting or format it I, I can't tell you how nuts it was um, but you know what the Tar Heels emerged victorious and it was awesome the whole first weekend was awesome so many great games so many buzzer beaters so much terrible officiating across the nation uh, and we're definitely going to get to that on today's show. Oh yes, believe you me, that's going to happen. So again, Carolina, 93-86 victory in overtime, beat the over uh, the overall number one seed in the East bracket, the, the fourth overall seed in the entire tournament, the Baylor Bears, who are also, by the way, the defending national champions. And I'm not joking. My son really said what I said off the top of the cold open about how they played well, then didn't, then played well again. And and that's exactly what happened. It was a like a game in three segments. There was the first 30 minutes, the last 10 minutes of regulation, and then overtime, those five minutes. So th that was the three portions of the game. But here's what I want to start off by talking about today. First thing of the week here on Locked on Tar Heels. You know what the Tar Heels were? Not just Thursday against Marquette, but Saturday, all 45 minutes long, they were freaking tough. Those dudes were awesome. I want to go take us back to December. Carolina has just lost to... 
Carolina has just gotten blown out by Kentucky, and Coach Davis said this. I've talked to them, the team, a number of times about what you're required to do is show up every job and do the job to the best of your ability. I don't understand not having the toughness and will and want to to play as hard as you can. And then he went on to say, I told Coach Calipari that I appreciate this. I told him he's put us in a position where we're either going to sink or swim. It puts us in a humble position to move forward and be the team we want to be. And here's why I bring that back up. Coach Davis was questioning his team's toughness, and he wanted to see that from them. And for a lot of this season, there has been some sink and there's been some swim. But here's what I'm seeing now on a consistent basis from this group of Tar Heels. They know who they are, they know who they are, and they are swimming every day, every game, and it's great to see. Legitimately, if you don't think this team has fight or toughness after what we witnessed this weekend in both of those games, then you and I have not been watching the same games, not watching the same North Carolina Tar Heels team. These guys have grit. They're banded together and they're going. So slowly but surely, over the course of this season, they have come together to inhabit exactly what it was that Coach Davis was looking for that he talked about after the Kentucky game. And and I would say that that toughness has not been seen this full season in more full relief than it was in Dickey's arena. And in, in two different really types of games. Against Marquette, that toughness was about scratching and clawing, and that's what Marquette is trying to do. That's what Shaka Smart teams do. Against Baylor, again, it's just they're playing good, solid, connected team defense. Now, yes, they got scratchy and grabby and clawy once they were down by 25 points, but again, we're going to get to that in just a second. And so the result of all of that hard work, all of trying to get to what Coach Davis has been looking for, it's only them and 15 other teams in D1 that are left because they have bought in and done this. Uh, I love what I saw somebody say uh, this weekend in some kind of form. I don't specifically remember where it was, but they said this, I love that our guys fight without getting into a fight. And, and what a perfect difference that is to pull out. Um, there's no need to be a, just getting into scraps and scrapes with other teams. You can be in a fight without fighting. And I love that distinction. On Friday's show, I talked about how tough the heels had been against Marquette and how they were going to have to do a whole different level of that against Baylor on Saturday. And I thought I knew what I was saying at the time, but it jumped even more exponentially than I thought it was going to have to be. This was the toughest expression of who they are all season one. Think about everything that was going against Carolina in this game. Let me just unpack a few of these things. They're 91 miles away from the Farrell Center. Dickey's Arena is 91 miles away from the Farrell Center, which is where uh, Baylor plays their home basketball games. They're an hour and a half from home. Yeah, pro crowd. Manic, Mr. Brady Manic, the hottest scorer on the team, has been ejected. Caleb Love fouls out. It's a team that already lacks depth, so they're down two of the Iron Five. They're playing the defending national champs, again, essentially in a road game for Carolina. And we're going to overtime, and Baylor has all the momentum. I even I have no problem admitting, I said to all the people around me, if this game goes to overtime, 
Carolina's done. Uh, like it just it felt that way, and given all of this context, I I really didn't think they had a shot. And to tack onto that even more, had Carolina lost, it would have been the biggest comeback by an opponent in Carolina history in terms of how how far down the opponent was and coming back to win. Previous to this game, the the biggest comeback against a Carolina team was 24 points by Florida State many years ago. Uh, the biggest second half comeback is 22 points. And so Carolina was up by 25 with 10 minutes to go. And so that would have broken both of those records. But you know what they were? They were tough. And despite all this adversity and everything against them, they fought back. And the person I thought that exemplified that more than anybody else was the shortest man on the court, Mr. Six Foot Nothing, R.J. Davis, bringing that New York tenacity, being a uh, typical prototype, Roy Williams, tough little nut. (laughs) He's getting that designation. He played all 45 minutes of this game, had a career-high 30 points against Baylor, who... If you're paying attention, you don't score 30 points against Baylor. This dude has Trey Young tweeting at him. Be great, RJ Davis. Yeah, Trey Young. That Trey Young. Now, you can make that connection, right? Brady Manick played with Trey Young that one year. He's watching in on his homie, Brady Manick, and it's the only game going, so he wants to see it. On Thursday against Marquette, it was Caleb Love that got Carolina rolling, but in this game, it was RJ Davis. Things looked iffy out of the gate. Baylor scores the first bucket. Caleb Love, live ball turnover, goes the other way for a dunk. 4-0 Baylor. Eventually, Carolina gets into this late shot clock situation, down 4 nothing, and R.J. Davis has to hoist a, a three from the wing with about two seconds left on the shot clock. It drops. Carolina's down 4-3, but that gets the team rolling. He scores. A, he goes on a personal 8-0 run, R.J. Davis does. So heels are up 8-4 at this point, and they never trail again. Think about that. For everything that happened over the next three hours, Carolina never trailed after R.J. Davis put them in front at the beginning of this game. The dude is tough, and he exemplifies what the rest of the team is now doing. So, by the way, you watch what R.J. Davis did this weekend. 12 assists on Thursday, 30 points on Saturday. Tell me you're not excited for junior year R.J. Davis. Let's not look past this, but next year should be fun. So here's what I see ahead of this Sweet 16. This team is tough. This team is bought in, and this team is playing great basketball. We're going to talk more specifically about the game in just a minute, including my shady stat of the game. But first, I want to tell you about Stat Hero. Stat Hero's NCAA single-game pick'em pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. So take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage. Start focusing instead on the players you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads or long odds. Stat Hero gives you the advantage, resulting in their gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates all the mystery about who or what you're playing. They have all these set lineups, you choose your lineup, and boom, in a couple minutes you're ready to go head to head. 
And so this is what daily fantasy is ultimately meant to be. So here's what you can do. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on. And if you use promo code locked on, you're going to get a 100% deposit match. Again, that's stathero.com slash locked on. And if you use promo code locked on, you'll get a 100% deposit match. Terms and conditions apply. I also want to talk to you about Built Bar, which are these great candy bar replacements covered in 100% real chocolate. Some of the great flavors for this include mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new right now coming out white chocolate shamrock. That sounds awesome. All these bars are delicious and Built Bars coming out with new flavors all the time. And at Built Bar, they are all about the taste. Yeah, they're going to go back and make sure it's healthy for you as well, but they always pull it off and always bring both of those things together. A typical candy bar will ring in somewhere between two to 300 calories, but Built Bars have around just 130. So go to Built.com and scroll down to the macros chart and see how great these numbers are. In addition to those 130 calories, just four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. So Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you're going to get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Well, let's get back into the weeds of the game. And if you're watching this on YouTube, would love for you to please go and subscribe just while you're watching. Just hit that button real quick. We're getting so close to 500 subscribers and just want to make that push during this NCAA tournament. Let's get there. So that would be you doing me an assist. I'm about to make a dad joke. Brace yourselves. You know who else was dropping assists for Carolina on Saturday? Everybody, man, and it's not just Saturday, this whole weekend. So Carolina on Thursday against Marquette, just as a reminder, assisted on 29 of their 34 made baskets. That's 85.3%. That trend very much continued on Saturday, a little bit to a lesser degree, but they assisted on 22 of their 28 made baskets, and that is a 78.6 assist percentage. You smash all that together, and for the weekend, Carolina assisted on 51 of their 62 field goal. That's 82.3%. Carolina made 62 field goals, 62 buckets from the field, and assisted on 82.3% of them. For reference, during the whole rest of the season, the first 33 games, they had, a, they had assisted on 53.6 of their made field goals. So they jumped almost 30, per, 30 percentage points in how many field goals they were assisting on percentage-wise. And to talk specifically about two players who really jumped up, both Leaky Black and RJ Davis had their highest two-game com combined number of assists. So for Leaky Black, he had 14 assists this weekend, highest two-game combination of assists for him. For RJ Davis, he had 18, 18 assists combined in these two games. And so that willingness to share is what's really going to make Carolina dangerous as long as they're in this tournament. So look out, UCLA, they're coming. Next thing I want to look at, uh, somebody that really stepped in. Obviously, we, we already talked about how Brady unfortunately got ejected. Caleb Love fouls out. And you know who stepped in and did a great job is Dontrez Styles. Now, because I want to praise him, let me say just the one negative thing first. He had a couple freshman mistakes and turnovers. It's going to happen. But 
ultimately those were mitigated by all the good he did. And before we even talk numbers, here's what I love about what Dontre Styles brings when he comes into a game. This dude is not scared to get his nose in there, show his athleticism, and do work. And I, precisely because of that athleticism and that fearlessness is why Coach Davis has him in the game. Now, I haven't asked Coach Davis that, but it's clear in a game against Baylor with all this athleticism, what do you need? You need to match that with somebody who can do so. And that's Dontrez Styles. If you're paying attention to the substitution patterns, you, you've heard me say that I, I can't figure out coaches' substitution patterns. Well, you know what he did consistently this weekend against Marquette and against Baylor? First substitute in the game is Dontrez Styles. I want to highlight two specific things he did. Overtime. Everything seems to be going Baylor's way. Carolina seems lost. I already talked about it. I thought Carolina was done. Dontrez Styles steps to the corner right across from the benches, opposite side of the court, and he drains a three for the first points of overtime for either team. Do you know how many threes Dontrez Styles had hit in his Carolina career so far before that? Two. Two. That was his third career three-pointer, and he nails it in the round of 32 in a road game, essentially, in <laughs> the NCAA tournament against the defending national champions. Like, I just want to keep reminding us of all that context. That's what my man Dontrez is doing. And then the other thing I want to point out that he did is there was a play where um, went up, like uh, had what looked like a, a layup miss. There, it was contested, and Baylor grabbed the rebound, started going the other way. Homeboy Styles picks the Baylor player's pocket, turns right back around and lays it up for two. Those are the kind of plays that are is going to keep him getting more and more and more minutes in these basketball games. And so when you look at how many he played, again, there's 45 total minutes, but he played just shy of 25 of those in this game. Way to go, Dontrez Styled. Dontrez Styles, excuse me. There we go. One of the weird things about this game for me was the free throw anomaly. Carolina has been shooting so well from the free throw line all season long, leading the ACC in free throws. And then in this game, they miss 11 as a team. Now, eight of those are Armando Baycott. A lot of those, you might have seen him kind of what looked like tweaked his thumb during the game. And so just didn't appear to be shooting like himself. And so that contributes to it al alongside of the anxiety of, if I hit these free throws, we beat the defending national champions. Because legitimately, if, if he hits one, maybe even two more of his free throws in regulation, we don't even go to overtime. Carolina wins. And so you got to feel for Baycott. But the Tar Heels did miss 11 free throws in this game, which ties for a season high with the Loyola game, the first game of the season. Only two games this season where the Tar Heels have missed double-digit free throws. And so uh, I, I was starting to prepare myself to write the story of, uh, you know, season-high free throw misses dooms the Tar Heels for what's been a strength all season long, that kind of vibe. But thankfully, it did not turn out that way. Now, let's also turn around and praise Baycott immediately in the next breath because as frustrating as that was for him, you know, we're looking and talking about how great Brady Manick was, how great R.J. Davis was. And it's, it's just a testament to Baycott's consistency that he gets 15 points and 16 rebounds. And we're just like, oh yeah, Mondo had 15 and 16. Cool. Yeah. Neat. 
27 double-doubles this season, 45 in his career, no big deal. <laughs> what? That's just a testament to how insanely good and consistent he's been all season long. Way to go, Armando Baycott. Uh, just a couple more things to point out, and then we're going to move on to Brady Manic. Uh, one, uh, uh, just a quick stat that is a very evident thing of the change to a Hubert Davis system. For the first time in Carolina program history, three different Tar Heels have 60 or more made three-pointers in the season. Um, and so that is Brady Manick has 85, leads the team. Uh, Caleb Love has 81, and RJ Davis has 63. Never before in Carolina history has that happened. Uh, also, pretty cool thing. I'm sure you saw Co- or, or heard about that Coach Williams was in attendance for both these games, as he tends to to want to be at everything. Kind of a funny thing because Kansas was also in the building. They were playing there both Thursday and Saturday. Uh, Creighton was in the building both Thursday and Saturday. Remember 2012, all that. And so there is this never-ending line of well-wishers, photo desirers, just coming down the aisles to meet with Coach Williams. And he was incredibly gracious, as he always is. Um, but it's just a testament to the man that he is. It was great to see him there. It's great to see Jesse Holly there, part of his 2005 championship team. Great to see Raymond Felton there on Thursday. Uh, Jesse was actually at both games. Raymond was there Thursday. I didn't see him Saturday. He might have been there. Uh, but also Garrison Brooks came on Saturday. And what a cool thing that is for a guy who has transferred out to use his last year of eligibility, goes to Mississippi State, but cares enough about these dudes that he has been teammates with for so long to come back and cheer them on on Saturday against Baylor. Awesome. Love to see that. All right, let's wrap up this session. Let me give you my shady stat of the game. Brady Manick. Scored 28 on Thursday, 26 on Saturday. He is just the fifth ever Tar Heel to record 26 or more points in back-to-back NCAA tournament games. You want to know who the other four are? (laughs) Just some guys you might have heard of at some point in your life. A guy named Lenny Rosenbluth, Phil Ford, J.R. Reed, and some guy named Michael Jordan. And Brady Manick. The five Tar Heels ever to get 26 or more points in back-to-back NCAA tournament games. That's today's shady stat of the game. Brady Manick is on fire. I love it so much. Well, the biggest story coming out of the game was Mr. Brady Manick and his ejection and what in the world is going on there. We're definitely talking about that in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you more about Bet Online. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. So from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering info needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Well, the biggest story of this game is that Brady Manick got ejected. Let me just give you a little context. My man Manick is going off. 
His career high at Oklahoma, 31 points. His career high at Carolina is 28 points, which he set on Thursday, by the way. We get to where there's about 10 minutes left in the game. Manic has 23 points, buries a three to give himself 26 points with 10 minutes left in the game. And Carolina now has a 25-point lead. Me, where I'm sitting doing all my writing and preparing for my like quick hitters and other things we're going to be doing, prepping for the podcast, all this, I'm starting to look up what is the greatest margin of victory in an 8 versus 1 in NCAA tournament history because the Tar Heels are up 25 points right now and Baylor's about to give up this game. But then we come back down to the other side of the court and Manic is whistled, there's a foul called because it gets an elbow to Jeremy Sohan from Baylor, who has been causing a very annoying ruckus the entire game, just getting mixed up and all sorts of stuff. Go back and watch it. The Cisco guy. You'll see it. Blondie. Officials go to the monitor, review it, and decide. It looks like a clear, flagrant one when we first see it. All right, sure, Baylor's going to get some free throws. Manic will get a personal foul. Baylor will get the ball, and we'll move on. We're up 25. There's 10 minutes left. Just hold on. It'll be fine. Well, the officials determined that this is, in fact, a flagrant two because by the definition of the rule flagrant two, there's some things about using your arms as a pendulum and with the contact to the head and all of that stuff. And so because of that, Brady Manick is assessed a flagrant two, which means ejection. Did you, did you see that play that happened? I, I get that by the letter of the law, you might be able to eject somebody for that. But if that's what you're ejecting Brady Manick for, wow. <laughs> uh, okay, great, cool. So what about all these other things that are happening in this game and in all these other games around the country that are far more egregious? Here's the problem. If that's the letter of the law, that that is worthy of Brady Manick being ejected from a round of 32 game in the NCAA tournament when he's probably about to drop 40 points, then the, law, the rule is wrong. The rule needs to be rewritten with different interpretation, different definition, uh, because it sounds like there's no room for the referee to, to allow for in intent, right? Because if you watch that play or watch the context around that play, Manic's not the instigator of what's going on in this game. It's Sohan from Baylor. He's the one doing all that. Sure, Manic deserves a foul there. But an ejection, there is not intent there to harm or to do ill intent that would warrant an ejection or a flagrant two. It's typically plainly obvious when a when a player is meaning to cause harm that is not a basketball, a legit basketball play. Here's what I think happened. The refs lost control of this game. They, as Baylor got down by so much, they're just doing anything they can to get back in. And so I, they just start calling all this stuff to try to rein control back in, which means, hey, let's eject Brady Manic. Instead, let me remind you, Carolina was in the bonus in like the first five minutes of the second half and hadn't committed hardly any fouls themselves. But then they start getting whistled for everything. You can't try to take control back of the game refs by kicking out Brady Manic for something that Okay, sure, it's maybe defensible 
in some legalistic way, sure. You don't kick Brady Manic out of this game for that offense. Here, let this sink in. Over the course of this entire game, the teams made 56 baskets, and the teams were whistled for 53 fouls. Like, that is not a thing that should be happening. Not to mention, this ejection changed the tenor of the entire game. Carolina, as you know, as I just said, had a 25-point lead at that point, and then and everything was going their way. Baylor was ready to give up in like one or two minutes. It, it was over. We're, we're talking like starting to empty the benches already. And here's the other thing about this ejection. Yes, they said flagrant two in the arena, but we didn't. Uh, many of us didn't even realize Manic was out of the game. It was a couple minutes later, and we're like, "Where? Where's Brady? I haven't seen him in the game in a little bit." Oh, he got ejected, huh? Cool, neat, refs. I'm gonna make a not so bold statement here. If Brady Manic isn't ejected, Carolina runs away with this game. You know, maybe it gets down back into the teens, but it's definitely double digits. There's no stress. Nothing ever happens. But the refs inserted themselves into the game in the way they didn't need to. And look at all that it led to. Sure, great. Now Carolina has this great historical victory, but it, it, it didn't need it. Referees do a better job. That's all I'm going to say. We're going to leave it there. Now, it would have been great if Carolina had one handily in regulation, but they didn't. But here's something cool that's kind of come out of it. So later on Saturday, I had just was just thinking on Brady, and not that he was sad or struggling, but I was like, you know what? If I'm if I'm a competitor, if I'm an athlete, I'm feeling kind of down on myself that I wasn't out there with my teammates, I wasn't out there with my brothers. Not not that I like let them down or did anything wrong, but it's like, man, I wanted to be out there. Man, I wanted to be competing, and so I was like. You know what would be awesome is if Tar Heel fans all over the country, all over the world, could let Brady know how much he means to this community, how awesome it is to have him as part of this team, how readily he's been accepted. I know he's been hearing that, but I want to hear it loud and clear. And so I, I tweeted something with this hashtag, Tar Heels for Brady, and just asked people, hey, if you got a second tonight or sometime this weekend... Send Brady Manic a message and tag it with hashtag Tar Heels for Brady. That way it groups them all together and he can see those and just be like, holy smokes, uh, there is love from this community. And boy, let me tell you, that hashtag is going wild. So I want to encourage you to, if you haven't had a chance to do that yet, hop on and send Brady a message. Use the hashtag Tar Heels for Brady and let's show Brady Manic how much the Tar Heels family loves him. And with that, we come to the end of today's Monday's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Great day. Great time to be back together. The Tar Heels are moving on. Sweet 16's coming up. Philadelphia this Friday night. Boy, uh, 940-ish Eastern time. It's going to be great. All right, please, if you would, go and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and do that. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnHeels. Follow me at Isaac Shade. You see it right there. <laughs> 
coming up on tomorrow's show, we're gonna uh, we're gonna have a little Hubert Davis talk. Some great things to talk about and how uh, a tournament run can change fans' perception of their coach. We've got some fun interviews coming up on the show this week. I'm excited. I'm not gonna tell you the names yet, but we're gonna have a parent of a current Tar Heel basketball player giving us the parents' perspective of this whole thing, and we're gonna have a. Uh, Tar Heel Basketball National Champion joining us this week as well. It's going to be awesome. Great week ahead. The Tar Heels are still rolling. So thanks so much for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every single day. And now let me encourage you to make Locked on NFL Drafts your second listen. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts, just like the rest of the Locked On family. Thanks again so much for spending part of your Monday hanging out with me, celebrating this victory, getting ramped up and ready for the Sweet 16 and everything that's to come this weekend. Boy, oh boy, you know what? It is a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow, peace!